Welcome to Nonprofit Thursdays, where we educate, elevate, engage, and encourage nonprofit organizations and the people who love them. Today's topic is what to do when you lose your job. It's a very, very heart-wrenching time for so many people post-COVID and at any time, actually. And today's guest is an energetic, seasoned uh, nonprofit leader who also is a turnaround specialist. He has uh, helped so many nonprofit organizations over his career, and yet he found himself being fired. We're going to talk with David Stahl. He has a story, and he has so much to share with all of us. Let's start out with, with this uh, discussion and this conversation okay. about your book and what motivated you to write it. But I want to start from a point where we're talking about your personal experience. Here you are, a seasoned nonprofit leader, moving and shaking uh, in your history and career, and you find yourself not having a job, and in fact, being fired from one. So how do you go from pain to power? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it was hard. It was really hard because, you know, there's really no good time to have your job taken away from you. And then uh, magnifying that was the fact that uh, COVID came along just a few few weeks later. So all of a sudden, I was at a point in my life that I didn't really know where to turn because this was unfamiliar territory that I was navigating. And so I had some real heart work to do first so that I could be well enough to go on the journey that I needed to go on. And that was to find the next adventure, to find the next place where I was going to join. But I was, honestly, I was not in a healthy spot because of what happened. And that's why I, I started looking at this and saying, David, you have to be good and then you can take a good journey. So that's where I started from. But that's a place I think a lot of people are at because, you know, the old adage, it, you, it's better to have a job before you leave a job and all that, that works great, unless it's not your choice. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it wasn't my choice. And Gasby, what I've discovered is that there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of very smart people who say it's not good to over identify with your work and your role in life. However, just from having a very fresh experience in this, when my job was taken away from me, I felt as though I suffered from some identity theft. Sure, absolutely. I wasn't exactly sure who I was. Yes, we tend to just wrap up our identity in what we do and not who we are. I want to get back to what's something that you said, heart work, not hard work. Right. Talk a little bit more about heart work. Well, and, and that's where my book comes in as far as I talk about giving grace to yourself. Because here's what happened. Right when I started my, you know, my first moments of unemployment, then I started to have thoughts of 
I wanna blame things, I wanna blame people, I wanna blame my former employer. But really what was going on was I was really disappointed in myself. And I had to work at giving myself grace so that I was good with myself because I wasn't in a good place. And How, and, and how did I, you do that? Well, what I did was I, I went through a process of giving myself three permissions. Um, the first permission was I just came to peace with the fact that it's okay for me to struggle with this, that this is a hard reality. And while millions of people in America face it, there's no comfort in numbers when it happens to you. And so I had to give myself permission to struggle, to not be okay, was had to be okay with me. And so I did that. Then I looked at, I need to give myself permission to choose again. Because what happens, or at least what happened with me, is I felt helpless, as if my choices were taken away from me because I no longer had a job. But what I decided was that I could start to make choices again for my own life. And they started small, and I knew they would end up hopefully one day with a job. But choices like, okay, I need to look at my finances and make choices as far as how I'm going to manage them. I feel like I'm doing something when I did that. I had to take a look at my time and say, how am I going to choose to use it? You know, you can, you can waste a lot of idle time just looking at social media, looking at Indeed, looking at LinkedIn all day long. I needed to have definitive things that I was doing. And so one of the things that I decided to do, uh, or two of them, was first I started to write blogs that I put up on my website just to keep my mind sharp. And then to better myself, I went online and started to take uh, courses actually from a uh, Ivy League school that offered courses online. And I had all the time in the world. So I went back to school, got uh, received a professional certification, but I felt like I was doing something. Mm-hmm. So important. Was hard. Yes, because one was cathartic. The, the writing of the blogs, kind of cleansing oneself of, of some thoughts. And then the second one was really pretty practical. Let me see what other skills I can pick up for the future. I want to go back a little bit, too, um, because there's this saying uh, when people are separated from a job and the question is asked, were they, did they jump or were they pushed? Yeah. Yeah. Did they jump? or were they pushed? And some people will find themselves being dishonest about the the process in which they were separated from their their position. They'll say, oh, I was riffed or something along those lines, but it had nothing to do with riffing. It had to do with you were fired. So how do you come to terms with that? Well, and I think that's where uh, really it's a process of saying, all right, Part of me being well again is going to be me being at peace with what happened and being able to say it out loud. I didn't like the word unemployment when it applied to me. And I didn't like the word I got fired until it happened to me. And what I did was I started to to give thought to and practice, how am I going to talk about this? 
when people ask me, because what they do is they say, what happened? Yeah. What's the talk? Right. What's the talk track in in a situation like this? They say, oh, wow, David, what happened? And then it was that moment of time where I had to choose how am I going to respond? Because I also knew that nobody likes to hear from or and definitely nobody likes to hire a bitter ex-employee. And so I had to figure out how am I going to talk about this to be accurate, to be honest, but not to be bitter about it. And it took some time in figuring out, okay, what am I going to talk about with my journey? And what I did was I decided I'm going to talk about myself on where I'm at and what happened. I am not going to reference my old employer much. And here was the big aha moment of my entire unemployment season, because it was all wrapped up in this, was that I decided at one point in time that my former employer cost me one job. I was not going to let that former employer cost me a future job, too, by me staying bitter towards them. Yes, I just inhaled, exhaled, and released it as far as I am not going to feel bitter. I am going to look at this and say, a chapter of my life has closed, but the story is not finished. Mm -hmm. I need to discover what that next chapter is, and it's up to me to choose how that happens. Yes. So that was the approach that I took. But but I tell you what, anybody who faces this that doesn't prepare for to answer the question, so what happened? You're setting yourself up for a very, very challenging road because it's hard to not be bitter. And being honest about that is very important to not be bitter, be better. But that takes time. And for you, how long did that take? Well, you know, I was swirling around for a couple of months until I started to figure all this out and started to say, okay, I want to choose to make myself better, to to look for a job and be more solid. But I ended up being without a job for six months. And that was a long time. Yes. yes. That was a that was a very long time. But as I share with people now, um, You can look at it as you lost a job. The greater tragedy would be to lose yourself along the way. Mm. What you need to do is find your heart, find peace, find a way to give yourself grace, to give other people grace around you, because the, the win on the whole thing is to start that next chapter even better than what you were before. So is the cycle of losing a job somewhat like uh, the grief cycle, denial and then acceptance? And I'm I'm not uh, familiar with the whole cycle, but I know that there are steps that one takes to complete the cycle and go through the process so that you can be healed at the end. So is it the same thing, that kind of cycle of grief? Yeah, yeah, it is. And you have to have, you know, denial in there, you have to have anger in there. And you have to have safe people in your life to process that. Uh, because if you don't, what will happen is it will stay inside of you, and it, but it will leak out. So it will leak out when you're talking with other people. It will leak out in a job interview. It will leak out when you start your new job, whatever that adventure is. 
but you have to let yourself struggle with it. And that's why that's where I started. I gave myself permission to struggle, permission to grieve, permission to process, do whatever I needed to, because after the permission to struggle and the permission to choose, the real important was the real important permission was permission to let myself feel peace again. Mm. And that is to be, to, to really embrace, here's where I'm at in life. I'm going to be starting the next chapter. I'm on a search for that. And that's where I need to go. But it took time. You know, it took a couple months for me to get to the point of peace where I could then get my legs underneath me and start, uh, start going forward again. Um, and actually it was at the three month point where I started working on the book because I realized that uh, with the help of some friends and all that, that we process this, that hey, this is a, this is a journey that others might benefit from hearing because they're on that journey too. There's sort of a, you know, there's sort of a, 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 a gathering, a group, a community, if you will, of the unemployed who, who know each other's emotions and feelings and challenges better than anybody else. And quite honestly, Gatsby, I looked at the opportunity and said, it seems like writing a book about the unemployment journey should be written while you're unemployed. Uh, how about that? <laughs> Not after the fact. I love that. Yeah. Because you're actually in the moment and you can share so much that will be rich and valuable to other people. Age. What uh, kind of uh, value is put on age these days with regard to the resiliency you need in losing a job? Yeah, I think age works in two ways right now, and they're kind of opposite ways in in the market for uh, for employment, and especially in the nonprofit world, it seems. Uh, Number one is a certain amount of age will give you the wisdom to self-identify and be self-aware as far as what's going on. And fortunately, I had just enough of that that other people had shared with me that I I had some self-awareness. It took a while to emerge, but it was there. But age also works against you as far as when you're my age in the job market, it's hard to find a job because I have, you know, several years uh, under my belt. And so, um, but but really that comes back down to be giving grace to yourself as far as, all right, my age can work for me because I'll be wise in how I speak. Yes. I, I, will, I will go back in my memory banks and listen again to those mentors, those coaches, those wise board members who gave me advice that seemed to apply to that situation. How do I apply it to this situation? A a former board chair of ours one time told me, David, things are never as good as they seem and they're never as bad as they seem. Some good advice. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And that applied to a financial crisis we were managing at that point in time, which was 10 years prior. But then I looked at my situation and I said, you know what? That truth applies then. It applies today, too. And again, when I did enough of that, and again, you can only have that when you've been around for a while and you've listened and learned, it, it, it was invaluable because I didn't have to just fuel myself with 
my own thoughts and all that, I went back and talked with people and recapped those conversations we had and pulled the great fuel from them. Yes, that's so important because often our thoughts can take over and thoughts do not equal facts and we have to navigate our lives in that way as well. In the book, you uh, lay out some really some very important and concrete steps on what to do once you have lost your job. So can we talk about that a bit? Yeah, yeah. And and I started off with that as far as those three permissions. Mm-hmm. And that's all in giving yourself grace, getting yourself in a good spot. So that is the place to start as far as permission to struggle, permission to choose, and permission to feel peace. Well, one, you- thing, one thing you said there uh, in the book that really resonated with me is do not hesitate to apply for unemployment. That's where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those steps. Those- yeah, that's, the, that's in the permission to choose. Okay. You say, okay, right after I make choices about my finances, I look at unemployment and I say, okay, Are you going to apply for unemployment? I looked at it and thought, you know, I never thought I would have to uh, apply for unemployment. So, David, get past your pride and the stigma you have about unemployment and realize that that's why it exists. So go ahead and apply for unemployment. You do it online. It's really fairly easy. Um, But apply for unemployment, you know, Put yourself into all of the job combines and searches that you can. And the most important thing, I think, it, that uh, and it led me to find a new, a new position, was to start talking to people and to just tell them what happened because they're less important, they're less fixated on what happened and your friends are more fixated on, well, how do we help you? And what could happen? And I ended up finding a job because I, I, I shared with a friend, actually a couple, and she knew somebody that I used to know, but she was still in contact with her. We got connected and all of a sudden, um, you know, several video calls and in interviews later, I had a position. But if I had chosen to retreat rather than relate to people, I would have missed out on opportunities to have my network help me. And that's a network that has taken years to build up. Yes, yes, indeed. That's the advantage of age right there. But it's also a a heavy to-do item, and that is to determine how you're going to engage your network. Because that network exists for times like this. Absolutely. You need to tap into people, their connections, because by the time you see a job posted on LinkedIn or Indeed or anything like that, hundreds of thousands of other people have seen the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the majority of good jobs are found, as we know, through networking and all that. So you have to start. But before you do, you have to go through the busy work of determining, you know, updating your resume updating your LinkedIn profile. If you have a website, updating that. Yes. And, you know, practicing what your story is going to be. You're going to be asked, what do you want to do? And and that's a hard question. I, you know, I had been you know, an executive director and, 
And a good one. And a good one. In fact, an excellent Debatable one. on that. Guys. Well, Debatable. if they ask, if anyone asked me, I would say that David Stahl is excellent. <laughs> but, but, you know, so going out and saying, well, I want to be the CEO again or executive director. Well, there's not that many jobs like that. And I mean, there are, but but you have to look more at what do I enjoy doing, not what job do I enjoy holding. It's what actual work do I enjoy doing? Because that's the conversation that people in your network want to hear from you. Because what you can do then is you can tap into their creativity and their ideas. And they're going, it, it, it expands, it exponentially expands the radar that you have searching for employment. But the longer you wait, the longer you wait. <laughs> yes, indeed. And needing some advice from you about that networking. For those people that uh, are reaching out to their networks and people are promising them that they are going to help them, but then they don't, yeah. uh, they don't follow through. Uh, where does that fit in into the mission, the permissions category and your mental health journey during this time? Yeah, it, it's hard. And, and um, actually in the book, I have a chapter called give others grace. So um, really in, in approaching folks in your network, clarity is a real big uh, a factor that you need to apply early on. And that is if you're going to talk with somebody about asking them for help in finding a job, you need to clearly state that. It's so that you don't have conversations where people are thinking, well, this is a personal connection. And then all of a sudden Dave turned it into, it's really a job networking and all that. State it up front. And, and honestly, uh, Gatsby, I, I, hiccuped on this so many times as far as I'm with somebody, we're having breakfast, we're networking, this person is wanting to pour out their life. I'm looking at it the entire time. What's going through my mind is I am unemployed. I need a job. What are you going to do to help me? And, and I went back and, and, and made some apologies. Now, also, there were some folks who just out of my exuberance and my my tenacity in talking with them, they would say, I'm going to help you. I'll try and all that. And they didn't. And I just had to be okay with, with some, some very moderate disappointment, but that was okay. And, you know, and I continued to follow up with people, but I also didn't want to be a, a pest on it because sure. I didn't want to in the very near term mm -hmm. blow something that could happen over the midterm because I didn't know how long it was going to last. Yes. So, so rather than getting upset with somebody for not following up with me, what I would do is I would just send them a reminder, send them a thank you for getting together. Somehow putting my name in front of them, I knew would get them thinking about me again. And so I just had to be real creative. I'd write those blog posts and I would send them in an email to people just saying, hey, you know, I thought you might enjoy reading this. Again, yes. it, 
It's self-promotion. Yes, it is. But that's what the employment search process is, is it's 100% self-promotion. Absolutely. And keeping your name, your face, and whatever it, it is about you in front of people. You did that in a very, very smart way. And um, and being very, very sensitive when you talked about not wanting to be a pest to people, uh, there's still the ego part of all of this that is saying, you know, I don't want to look too needy. And right. at the same time, I want to respect that you have other things on your plate other than me. So these are the kinds of things that we, um, we consider in this. So what gave you the most hope? You know, what, what gave me the most hope was that I had found jobs before and I knew that I would eventually find employment again. And so my hope was really, as I say, that hope is your belief about what's possible for tomorrow. Grace is how you handle yourself today. And I believe that having a grace-filled approach to today and to people and to myself and, and my former employer and all that, that allowed me to uncover reasons that might have been hidden for hope as far as I would go along and I would find I would discover something about myself that I would say you know when I work again I can do this so the self-discovery process that you go through on the journey of unemployment is what gives you hope because I kept reminding myself I have worked before I am employable I, I, I can, I can do this. There's a job out there waiting for me. I don't know what it is, but I will find it and I will give it my best. And I also realized, especially in the nonprofit space here, that the organizations that I was talking with are helping people all day long. Yes. And so I looked at that and said, but that is exactly where my heart is too. There is going to be a connection here. I know there will be. So my hope was in a belief that um, that this was the end of a chapter and not the end of a story. And that I could, I started to have anticipation for what is the next chapter and what would that be like because um, you know, I paid a heavy price to end the final, the last chapter. I'm filled with energy for the next one. So now in the spirit of Inside the Actors Studio, which I love, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. And the question is, what is your favorite sound? My favorite sound is the little sigh, the, the big exhale that a baby makes right before he or she falls asleep in your arms. Oh, that's so sweet. That is a sweet sound. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us on Nonprofit Thursdays. Your wisdom and uh, your openness and your sharing has just been enormously helpful. Your book, the Four Corners of Grace, When You Lose Your Job, is available on Amazon. Is that correct? Right. That's right. Yes. It's available people, now. people, this is just a snippet of what he shares, folks. So uh, please go and uh, get that book as, as well as he has a series of uh, Four Corners of Grace that I think you would uh, really benefit from. David, thanks again. 
Uh, thank you, Gasby, and keep up the great work in helping out nonprofits all over the country. Thank you, I will. Join us next time for Nonprofit Thursdays, and in the meantime, visit our website, www.thegasbygroup.com. See you next time. <laughs>